0: friends and listeners welcome to a new episode of the South Hermes podcast my name is Rudolf I am your host greeting you from the outskirts of Austria's lovely capital Vienna and today is January 19 2020 and this is episode three of our season four The entire magical world is the title of this episode, and my interview guest today is American writer and occultist Judika Illes, who in the encyclopedias she wrote really talks about this entire magical world, but who herself has also such a really widespread knowledge and interest in all things occult. I'm glad you have come to our podcast, back to our podcast. For those who are regulars, thank you for your fidelity. And for those who are here for the first time, a warm welcome. I don't know where you specifically are listening from, but you should know that you can find us on all major podcast outlets like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify iHeartRadio, you name it, many more now feature us. And there is also an audio only YouTube version on the Thoughts Hermes YouTube channel available for you. But of course, you can also find all episodes back to the first one from April 2017 on our website and listen to them there via streaming or download them at any time. Go to www.thoshermes.com, that is T-H-O-T-H-E-R-M-E-S dot and even better, you can consult all show notes with interesting information, links, etc. And on the website, you will also find the possibility to give us some feedback, and I love to get your feedback. There is a contact form, there is also a possibility to send me a free voicemail, but of course you could also send me an email to infoathoshermes.com or go on our Twitter or Facebook pages and send me messages there. Let me know about your ideas, your criticism, your praise, whatever you wish to tell me I'm happy to know about. The Thoth Hermes podcast also needs your support. Running this show costs money and in order to keep this venture up and running, I have to ask you for your patronage. Please click on the donate or on the Patreon button on our website or go directly to the Patreon website and look for the Thought Hermes podcast there. From $6 per month, you can be a patron for us. And we would love to count you among them. Thank you. Those of you who are regulars here know that before we start the big interview, we always play a first piece of music. Music is part of the Thought Service podcast. And I would also like once again asked those of you who are composers or musicians and who want to share their music with our audience here, get in touch with me. I'd love to hear from you and will be more than happy to present your music and also yourselves on this podcast. So don't be shy. Today's music is by Canadian singer and songwriter Heather Dale. She has published an album about two years ago by the name Perpetual Gift, and the name of the album says it all. This album can be downloaded for free from her website and it is meant to be shared among people who love that kind of music, folk music with Celtic and native Canadian influences, and to make Heather's song known to a bigger audience. And this is why I play her songs here today. Each song we hear is introduced by Heather herself with a few words about its background. So the first song is called Sedna and finds its roots in the Canadian far north. But let Heatherdale explain by herself.
1: It's a tale from Canada's far north. It talks about Sedna, who was a beautiful Inuit girl. One day Sedna and her father went on a long kayak voyage, each with their own paddle. In those days the ocean was silent and empty and lifeless, and so their presence on the glassy surface attracted the attention of a storm who lived on the far horizon. Curious as storms are, it came and started to swirl around the little boat, churning the waves around its new toy. Sensing their danger, Sedna and her father turned the boat and started to make for the safety of the far harbour. Sedna had a great heart, and so she put all of her strength behind each stroke of the paddle, but her father was cowardly and craven. He looked back and he thought to himself, this boat would go faster if it was lighter. And without warning, he reached out, he grabbed his daughter, and he threw her into the icy deep. Well, that could have been the end of the tale, but it wasn't. Because Sedna had such a great heart, she swam behind the boat and grabbed a hold and wouldn't let it advance. Well, Her father panicked. He grabbed a paddle and started to hit her fingers to make them release, but she wouldn't. And she didn't, but finally the terrible cold turned her fingers into clear icicles. And one tap on an icicle and it shatters, and so Sedna fell down deep into the water with the icicle fingers following after. Now that could have been the end of the tale as well, but it wasn't. Because Sedna had such a great heart that she looked around herself in the icy blackness and thought, if this is to be my new home, I don't want to be alone. And so with a force of will, she turned each one of those fingers into a new animal that had never existed before. They became the first whales, the seals, walruses, everything that now lives in the oceans. Sedna roamed the deep, the cold forgotten
2: deep, no one wants to be alone. Sedna roamed the deep, the cold forgotten deep, no one wants to be alone. From her hands they fell Children of the ocean swell With ice's twinkle given sight She offered them a name And seals they all became
0: Sedna, a song from Canadian singer and songwriter Heather Dale's album Perpetual Gift. A link to her website will be in the show notes on the Thoth Hermes website. Okay, and now it is time to meet Judika Illes. Yudika is a New Yorker from Hungarian descent, she lives and works in the Big Apple and she is best known for her four popular encyclopedias which she wrote. The Encyclopedia of 5000 Spells, the Encyclopedia of Witchcraft, the Encyclopedia of Spirits and the Encyclopedia of Mystics, Saints and Sages. But there are many more books by her, especially in the second half of the interview, we will talk about all those books. But before all of this, Utica is an occultist, a practitioner, also a tarot reader. Why she prefers the name occultist to being called a witch, and what witchcraft means today in general. but also where her interest and talent for the occult arts and also for writing originate. She will tell us all in the first part of our talk. Between the two parts of this interview, I will come back, as always, with more music after about 30 minutes into the talk. I also wanted to let you know that this interview is the first since I started this podcast, which is completely un cut, meaning it had such a nice flow and it was also technically without problems, so I could leave it just as we had it when we spoke, which is very nice, because it gives you, the audience, a much nicer feeling of being there, I believe. Thank you, Yudika, for making this possible, it was really nice to talk to you. And I'm glad also I learned a few things since I started this podcast and that helped technically. Okay, not any longer small talk. Let's go to New York City and meet Judika Iles. Here comes the interview. And today I have the enormous pleasure to have a very special guest with me here on the Thought Thermes podcast. It's Judica Illes, Judica. Hello, great to have you on here.
3: Hi, I'm so happy to be speaking with you.
0: Absolutely, well, thank you for making this possible. Um, and I mean, I don't think we have to introduce who you are. I did a little bit in the in the intro to this interview, but uh, I think many, many people have seen your books, have heard about you, have probably heard you speak on other occasions. And but anyway, I think it is always nice when we start those interviews here that uh, my guests would, I wouldn't say introduce uh, yourself, but do um, I always say, what made you in the occult world what you are today? Where do you come from in that respect? What triggered it all for you? How did you find out about your interests, about your capacities, about your talent? Also, so Yudika, this question goes to you now. What how did you decay become the uticulate she is today?
3: Well, there are actually. Two roots to the answer to that question. Mm-hmm one of which is maybe more straightforward than the other. Um, In terms of my interest in witchcraft and the occult and the esoteric, I I don't really know where that comes from. That I was just born this way, you know, Mm -hmm. and I I come from a family where other people also have interests, maybe not as intensely as I do, but Mm -hmm. it was never discouraged. I... Grew up in a house where I learned how to read very early. My mother taught herself English by teaching me how to read, so I could read by the time I was three. And we had, right. um, you know, we had books in astrology and and uh, graphology and numerology. And my sister bought home tarot cards when I was six, so it was there for me. It came to me as much as anything in mythology. And my mother loved a, you know, my mother loved a good story. She, mm-hmm. my mother loved fairy tales. So I I was introduced, I don't remember a time when I wasn't interested in witchcraft. And for whatever reason, I was wired in that way that to me was positive. Uh, if you tell me a story about a witch, to me, the witch is all, almost always the heroine. And, <laughs> and the stories where that is not possible are um, you know generally stories that don't resonate with me,
4: at yeah. the least.
3: Uh, you know, so why why were are some children afraid of witches, and I wasn't. I don't know. You know, I saw dark shadows when I was a child and the vampire terrified me. So, Mm -hmm. uh, you you know, so I mean, I do have those reactions, but witches and stories, never, never, never. They're always the heroines for me.
0: Right. And so that's. Sorry, may I just ask you? um, You said about your mother, your mother's uh, first language was still Hungarian, because I think that's what your background is. Yeah. Well, I
3: was born in 1960 in New York City. But my mm-hmm. parents are um, left Hungary in 1956 at right, the time so of the Hungarian the time, Revolution. Yeah. Right, So right. My, I, my mother loved Vienna.
0: <laughs> Actually, <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that's why mother, I recognized your name as Hungarian, yeah, of course, yeah. because we are so close. My, yeah. mother,
3: mm. my mother always said how beautiful Vienna was. And had Mm -hmm. a lot of happy memories. Um, So, (laughs) so yeah, my parents, um, my sister, my you know, we we were you know they were refugees. And in my childhood, we lived in Queens in an apartment with Mm -hmm. my parents, my sister, my cousin, my aunt, my uncle, another aunt Mm -hmm. down the street. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Hungarian is my first language, even though I don't really speak it any longer. But so that was that was very much you know in my life, and that's just something that continued to, my interest in the occult just continued to grow as I got older. I, I'm a pretty faithful person or I don't know, you know, uh, Scorpio moon, I have a fixed moon. The things mm. I love, I continue to love. Mm-hmm. S- the other, but the other route is that my skilled labor is writing. That's, right. those are two, they're, they're two separate things about me. I, I've, I've written, I, I've been a professional writer for decades, and I've written things that have nothing to do with the occult. I had a, I had a job once. I wrote the copy for a funeral services website. You know, and, and not oh, really? the occult aspects. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, hypothetically, I, I could write about sewage systems. i I can, I, I can compose, and mm-hmm, write. That's
4: mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
3: like. A bricklayer lays bricks. I, I can put the words together.
0: Sure. Well, so, that makes part of the quality of your books, of course. Yeah, sure.
3: You know, th- that that's a whole other, you know, because I, uh-huh. I, I work as an editor and many of our authors are not writers. They know a Rest. lot. They're repositories mm-hmm. of so much information, but they're not skilled writers. But I, I was sort of lucky in that I had both of those. And so... Mm-hmm there was just a point in my life where those two paths intersected and here I am.
0: Well, that's great. Um, So the, the writer, just, just by curiosity, how did that come to you? I mean, did you just discover that you had the talent and then you get, you trained as a professional writer or how did that happen?
3: All of the above. Um, It was not easy for me to learn English. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not an easy language to learn. Also, I
4: yeah.
3: my original I originally learned English from people who did not necessarily speak English well.
0: So, mm-hmm. I mean, I mm-hmm. I
3: grew up in an immigrant. My the first part of my childhood was spent in an immigrant community in mm-hmm. Queens, New York, which for people who know that's one of the most diverse places on earth. Um, mm-hmm. among other immigrants. And I, you know, I, I always say that Hungarian is my first language, Spanglish is my second. Um, mm-hmm. And then eventually I moved to suburban New Jersey where, you know, the other children were very quick to let me know that I was <laughs> not speaking well. <laughs> and I, right. I really right. had to develop an ear. I, I had to learn on my feet because children mm-hmm. are cruel and you're yeah, just sure. expected you know, and it was a different time. It was a, I think there's more tolerance now or more resources. At that time, you know, you, if you couldn't do it, you were just dismissed as, you know, stupid.
0: Yeah, ordinary. yeah, yeah. I, I can relate to that because even if it was much closer those two languages but i was born in switzerland and i moved to to tyrol in austria of all places Uh, so to the western part at age five so just before school and i i remember speaking a terrible high german or let alone uh, tyrolean dialect because i i spoke that swiss german you know and I I think I have some talent for languages myself, uh, uh, writing and speaking, and I I fully understand what you mean. I had to learn yeah. the German, um, um, so to speak, high language um, because it was not mine from the beginning. Right, and right. But I wanted it way. to be mine.
3: That's exactly. it. I wanted exactly. it to be
0: mine. Right, and right. And that's, of course, a prerequisite to to, to I, achieve I it, have, of course.
3: I have a tremendous love of the English language. I really, because mm-hmm. I had to, I, I, I had to, I, you know, I came in from the outside. So I, I sure. became an English major in school, uh, you know, when I took mm-hmm. creative writing classes. So mm-hmm. I, I do have the training, but how I became a writer This was, I did not intend to become a metaphysical author that, I I didn't think the world needed another one.
0: Mm -hmm. That was just something Mm -hmm. very
3: private for me. You know, my interest in the occult was something that was extremely, it was mine. You know, it wasn't necessarily something I shared with other people. But what Mm -hmm. I, um, I came through it again, through the back door I have a very, very large, another thousand page manuscript that has never been published yet devoted to fertility, getting pregnant, um, essentially in all the magical, herbal, mystical, spiritual ways, everything Mm -hmm. but modern fertility clinics, you know, Mm -hmm. other than medical Mm -hmm. technology. And because I originally wrote it for myself, I originally, it was information I was seeking for myself and then it hooked me after, mm-hmm. after I became interested in it, I, I just kept looking and researching and eventually I didn't know what to do with all my information, but I know how to write. So yeah. I, I was so naive. I, I knew nothing about publishing. I, I just compiled all of it in a big manuscript and sent it out to agents and publishers and mm-hmm. For a variety of very technical reasons, it's never been published, but it's so lucky okay. for me. And a publisher at Element Books, which at that time was in Boston, read the manuscript, turned it down, but there is a chapter on magic spells in it, and asked me, Can you, he liked that chapter, and can you turn that into a book on general spell casting? And I mean, He was essentially asking a very easy thing for me. That was the easiest part of the book for me. So I said, sure. I said, sure, I could do that. And that was my first book, which was originally published as Earth Mother Magic, but is now – that one out of print, and it's now the big book of practical spells.
0: Practical spells, okay, yeah. okay. How yeah. interesting! <laughs> and do you think you will ever uh, publish a fertility advice book? Because I, I would think love f- to. Fascinating! It's a fascinating subject, especially from that point of view.
3: I would love to, and you know, people write to me and they ask me, or they'll ask before you know, what should I do? And it's very hard because it's it's a it's. It's a thousand pages. It's in a lot of ways, it's the prototype for 5,000 spells. The the person who turned Mm -hmm. that book down, eventually we did 5,000 spells together. So it's very hard to pick out the one thing, you know, that's like saying, pick out the one spell. The problem with that book, and I think I will try to publish it again, probably after my new book comes out. The problem Mm -hmm. with the book is that the book selling world is very... The book selling world can be rigid and conventional. And where mm. do you put that sure. book in a bookstore? Do you put yeah. it with the herbal books? Do you put it with the metaphysical books? Do you put it with fertility? Do you put mm. it? And, and at that point, everybody backs away and says, can you just do this instead?
0: Yeah, because people so much like to put everything into a drawer and not... Yeah, and not, uh, yeah. Out on where desk. are you going to yeah. put it on the
3: shelf? And I think, mm-hmm. honestly, there are so many online booksellers at this point, it'll be sold by people will come and ask for
0: it if they want it well exactly by keyword and that's yeah. that's the chance of our new modern world of ebooks yeah. and internet so that you can look for things that you would have never found before yeah. not just because because they're there but because you can cross-reference them and that that that's great about it yeah, yeah even yeah. within even within your ebook editions we'll come to that in a minute of your spell books for <laughs> example um the cross-referencing is much easier than yes. in the in the in <laughs> in you know,
3: the big. i i have the ebook versions of my book because when I need to look <laughs> up something quickly, the ebook is the fastest way.
0: Of course, of course. Sure. It doesn't sure.
3: replace, you know, I love books, so it doesn't replace ah, me the too. Beauty. No,
0: I couldn't live without them. But right, the paper um, book, certain, the tactile. Yeah, but definitely. but there is
3: definitely a place for ebooks, also.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, that that's that's a fascinating thing. and um, well you we're just talking about drawers and putting people into Mm -hmm. shelves so to speak and when we when we prepared for our interview today um uh i was hesitating if i should call you call you uh, say about you that you are an occultist or a witch and you said somehow you really can relate to both you prefer occultist and I think you you started up off on a very good explanation why this was and where the difference lies for you, and I would love you to share this with our audience how you how you would distinguish between the two why you prefer occultists to the other one. Can you expand on that a bit
3: yes and i and for people who want to know more this is you know this is essentially my introduction to my book Encyclopedia of Witchcraft. I do mm-hmm. discuss this. I love witches. I love witches. I identify with witches. and I, I don't have a problem being called a witch. For me, that's mm-hmm. a badge of honor and something to be proud of. But the problem yeah. with the word witch is everybody thinks they know what a witch is. You say witch, everybody thinks they know what a witch is. Mm-hmm. And, and there's so many definitions of witches that when I, I have to be sure that I know what the other person is thinking. So you know, I do. I do interviews. They'll interview. They'll say, "Oh, you know, here's your Illis, She's a witch," and I have to say, "But I don't eat babies. You know, uh, I'm not. I, I'm not. You know, desecrating cemeteries. Because mm-hmm. even in 2020, people think. A lot of people think that's what a witch is. They mm-hmm. they think you're, uh, you, you know, doing terrible things with with other people's babies and yeah. that, that, that is not the case. It is still not safe in a lot of places in the world for people to think you're a witch. You don't even have to be a witch or to identify as a witch. What's important is whether other people, perceive you as a witch and there are yeah. a lot of stereotypes and I'm not sure any of us know all the stereotypes so I, I do identify myself as an occultist because an occultist is a very 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 straightforward people who don't know either people know what an occultist is or if they don't they'll they'll say what is that that's an unfamiliar world word they mm-hmm. won't mm-hmm. assume and you know, witchcraft and magic and spells, it's all about having control of the words. And Yeah, sure. And with which, unless, you know, I'm comfortable with you, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I feel that I'm comfortable with whatever your definition will be.
4: But, yeah, y-
3: you know, you meet strangers, you know, is this somebody who will share your opinion? Is this somebody mm-hmm. who will then, you know, want to want to harm you? because the reality sure. is it's sure. the witches yeah. Yeah. who historically have been the victims not the other <laughs>
0: way around oh definitely 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 but um is the word occultist because i often struggle also with definitions like yeah. that because at least in my language but i don't think it's a big difference to the english language there occult is also everybody thinks that's dark and a bit eerie you know and and um i mean i don't mind strangeness but occult is is not dark it's just the unknown or just it's, it's, it's hidden the,
3: it's the hidden
0: <laughs> yeah. it's, it's
3: exploring the mysteries i know but i find that occult even if people don't like it they're a little respectful they they back mm-hmm. up a little bit with which okay. with which they they think they know you know they know they know what you are <laughs> <laughs> they are just a little do bit Do you
0: think this might uh, do you think this might also be uh due to the fact that witch is more a female attribute? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I, I think I would think so. Yes, yeah.
3: absolutely. It's, and I think they're also it's easier
0: to to hit on y- it, you know you know in America, like, yeah.
3: you know, every 2 hours somebody's ac- accusing somebody else of being, you know, witch hunts or mm. you know, wow. a lot of people mm. use witch as a as a negative word. For right. women,
0: yeah, yeah yeah
3: there there's a lot of it's it's really it's an umbrella term. People use that mm. word to express so many things, and sometimes things that they don't actually want to say, but they'll mm-hmm. you know they 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 don't really want to a witch is often just an unpleasant woman, but they don't want to use one of the other words for an unpleasant woman because that's obviously. Harsh or vulgar. So they say witch and then they can kind of, Mm
4: -hmm, mm -hmm. you
3: know, back off from it. But I mean, I I just saw, you know, today I saw a pretty ugly poster with uh, something online with, uh, you know, the presidential candidate, I think, uh, Mm. uh, Elizabeth Warren, like a burn the witch. You know, Bern, Mm. B-E-R-N, as in Bernie Sanders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's, you know, and no one, I don't think anybody believes Elizabeth Warren is actually practicing the dark arts. (laughs) That's not what it's about.
0: No, absolutely not. Sure, sure. No, I I understand what you mean. And that... You're absolutely right. That does not happen with the word no. occultist. No, course. occultists they
3: get a little nervous. <laughs> they think you
0: mm-hmm. might know something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> maybe but you're gonna do you something. Th- uh, at first sight, but maybe I'm wrong, but you might help me with that. At first sight, I would think an occultist uh, defines that defines also a a larger field of activity yes. than I agree. A witch. Yes. Yes.
3: Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And would you place yourself also into that larger activity then?
3: Yeah. And I think a lot of witches, um, real witches, Mm -hmm. I I think a lot of witches, it's very intuitive and very Mm -hmm. instinctual and, Mm -hmm. um, there may not be an intellectual aspect to it. It's just what people do or what you've learned from other people. A cultist has an aspect of studying Mm
4: -hmm. and
3: learning and there's a, yeah. a literate quality to it. And and that's, I've been reading since I was three years old. I mean, I don't remember a time when I didn't read. Mm. So, mm. you know, that is very descriptive of me. Uh, do you know, um, in the Waldorf schools, they discourage children from reading at age eight because they yes. think it, yes. it discourages creativity yeah. And I yeah. remember when I read that, I thought, "Oh boy, <laughs> that I'm doomed."
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they say the symbolism of the letters yeah but kind of blocks their their creativity. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Well, uh, I I'm like you. I started reading at age four, so, uh, so yeah. uh, uh, I, I can't help I can't help liking uh, Rudolf Steiner's books anyway. <laughs>
4: yeah, me too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but we could now have an eternal discussion, of course, where, about this. A bit ridiculous distinction, but it's there for some reason, but uh, sometimes mostly it's used in a very ridiculous way between high magic and low magic, you know, Um, um, because of course, of course there is a difference, but I hate those words because high and low give a quality distinction and not a content distinction. Yes. Um, Yes. But uh, how, how, how do we handle that?
3: Well, I think we have to learn and, and teach other people to be aware and I mean, this is something that, I mean, for people who are interested in the topic, for listeners, uh, Encyclopedia of Witchcraft, which is my big HarperCollins encyclopedia,
4: mm-hmm.
3: Um, mm-hmm. these are literally the topics that are in the introduction. High versus low, male versus female, because I think you're right. One of the reason occultists, even from people who don't like it, it, it has a little respect in a way that witches don't, it's because it's, it's associated traditionally with men, men's magic.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah.
3: You yeah, know, women yeah. are in the kitchen brewing up stuff and the occultists mm-hmm. are creating these, you know, lengthy rituals. And
0: Yeah, it, it has a, a strong Masonic link as well, yeah. of course, which is yeah. male dominated there again. Yes, mm, yes, mm, yes, mm, yes. Mm, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true, true. Hermeticism and all that, of course, that's Middle Ages. The distinction I, was much stronger there still. I yeah. think
3: that within the witchcraft community, within the greater metaphysical community, in the last decade, there is less prejudice against so-called low magic or folk magic.
0: I think so, too. There
3: yeah. was, you know, when I was growing up.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
3: And it's always been what appealed to me
0: would you think that what is now called traditional witchcraft as opposed to um as opposed to the gerald Gardner strain right, right um has now researched in a stronger way and that might have also moved a few things in, in a different so. sense i mm-hmm. think
3: so although traditional witchcraft as a term is like which i you, when someone tells me they're Interested in traditional witchcraft, I have to, I feel I, obliged to ask them <laughs> to define Witch. that. What did they mean by that? <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, 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 sure. Because sure. you could have
3: six people in a room and they're all talking about traditional witchcraft and they're all discussing something unique.
0: Yeah. Related,
3: yeah. but unique. So, so yeah. may
0: may I ask you, what's witchcraft? Let let's the traditional aside. What is witchcraft for you? Could you could you define it just for yourself?
3: For me personally, for my own practice, mm-hmm.
0: um, f-
3: I am. I am. I think what characterizes a lot of people who identify as witches is that we're very independent, and. Mm-hmm somewhat anti-authoritarian. And yeah. I, I would say that's very true of me. And I, mm-hmm. I basically have over my lifetime put the things that worked for me and the things that crossed my path and the things that I love all mm-hmm. together. And I think you'll see bits of that in my books, like where I recommend that you know you coordinate a spell with the Billy Holiday song. That's me, because I do that. That, that's mm-hmm. me. That's not coming from anywhere else. But what mm-hmm. I love and what I do is very much folk magic. I, I love mm-hmm. plants. I'm a certified aromatherapist. I, I love anything that comes in a little bottle, flower essences, mm-hmm. essential oils, mm-hmm. perfumes. Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. That's what resonates with me. I, I love music. So I, I incorporate that if I can. Um, and I'm not a musician. So it's it's other, you know, it's it's. Music that's available to me. Um, Right. I come from New York and in the 70s and the 80s in New York City, before the internet, there was a sort of local magic that you would learn from other people. And I I learned from, you know, I was in a small coven at the time and I, I learned from mm-hmm. friends. And it was a combination of sort of uh, uh, bits of Gardnerian Wicca mm-hmm. and a lot of Espiritismo, Puerto Rican Espiritismo. the okay. sure, uh,
0: New York, yeah, sure, yeah.
3: Yeah, New York. I mean, people always underestimate how important the Puerto Rican and Cuban influence on the magic of new york people Mm -hmm. uh, somehow that 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 gets lost but but that was really really important i don't Mm -hmm. know like i don't know if you're 20 now because now there's so much you know there's there's the beauty of the internet that look we're, we're speaking to each other across an ocean and that's a and talking and who knows who's listening to us and that's 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 a wonderful thing so this is not a criticism but we've also lost some of that local character um and i don't know you know because now you know you learn it from youtube or you learn it from a book but at that time you you know. I, I took, I took a, a class from someone and she invited me to come to her house and it was a little like Rosemary's baby, you know, or the seventh victim, you know, those movies where you would go to someone's yeah, house yeah, 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 and there's like, yeah, you know, yeah. people, and, and that's how I learned. And so that's still a part of my life and, you know, and the planets and the moon and all those things put together that that's my own practice, but I am, because I have found myself on this path Right. Once you're writing an encyclopedia, you're no longer writing about your own. You're writing, you have yeah. to be able to write neutrally about a very wide yeah. spectrum of topics. And so I'm, yeah. I'm very aware that other people are doing totally different things. And it's also, you know, very, very valid. Right. It has to resonate with you as an individual.
0: Definitely. Definitely. I-
3: because it has to work. And if it doesn't definitely, resonate, it won't definitely, work.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. But in, in each time you're writing, I think you would agree, as a as a as a writer as well, it independently of the subject you treat, um, it has to resonate with you, and especially in such a subjective matter than than occultism, magic, witchcraft, whatever you call it.
4: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I will be coming to your books and to the encyclopedias in particular in a minute. Um, I have two two questions before that. Um, one just relates to what you just said. Um, uh, I gather you know Josephine McCarthy, who has also been on that show. Yes, earlier. I have
3: met Josephine, and she's an excellent teacher.
0: Uh, absolutely, and and what what an excellent speaker. Was, uh, definitely, absolutely, and what what I really like in her Korea course, which I, uh, certain you have heard mm-hmm. about, um, yes. is that she always comes back to the point and what you just said that you have to know your local surroundings, the history of the ground you're on, the history of the country you live in. I mean, the the local country, not the the nation, right? Your county, so to speak. And in order to understand what magic it produces. And I think that's what you just meant with the New York situation in the 1970s and 80s. And we still in a world of the Internet where we can get everything at any time, we have to balance that out in my opinion magically balance it out to 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 get both sides this wide openness but also our local spirits so to say
3: it's the local spirits i think that the it goes without saying you know when you are doing a ritual or casting a spell the components that often go unspoken but are always present are the time and the place mm-hmm. and the place mm-hmm. is constantly influencing. And so you have to, it is the spirits of the place, but I think also the land itself radiates. And so right, y- you need to be in tune, attuned with the energy mm-hmm. of the place where you are. And, uh, you know, for those of us who spend time, for people who spend time, you know, I once worked in New York in an office, it was a basement office with no windows. Completely, you know, artificial heat, air. Mm-hmm. You forget where you are, but that's really, sure. really crucial.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: So mm-hmm. all of that, all of that, yes. The And also what you bring to, you know, who are you?
0: Yeah, exactly.
3: You exactly. know, I, because you're bringing all your own history, all your experiences, and your genetic history, and you know, we all of that together. It, it's all all these energies. They they do impact what you're doing and what you're learning and how you see. Def,
0: definitely, and you have to let that happen as well. We yeah. have to let it through and not block it out. I hope you enjoy our discussion such as much as I did when I was talking to you, Now, as promised, we return for a few minutes to listen to Canadian singer and songwriter Heather Dale again. And again, she will introduce the song we are going to hear. This time, it is a love song called Hunter. The stage is yours, Heather Dale.
1: I like to write love songs that are really unusual and hopefully as honest as I can make them. Pop music seems to have an awful lot of things to say about a certain type of love, a crazy puppy love, but really love can be so many other things and it's so much more complicated in the real world. This is called Hunter. Oh, one, two, three.
0: hunter. By and with Heather Dale. Back to Judica Illis now again, and as I said, during the second part we will talk more about her books, not only her encyclopedias, but also about her work as an editor for Wiser Books, and all the other books she wrote, especially also that only book she published under an elias, and why, and some more general thoughts on magic and the occult. At the end of this talk, you will hear the third piece of music for today. This time Heather Dale will introduce, and then interpret, another song inspired by Canadian First Nations. Not from the icy worlds of the North this time, but rather from the Great Lakes area. The song is called "Huron Carol. But before, here we go back to New York City and talk to Yudika Illes. You just but mentioned uh, a bit earlier that you are also an aromatherapist. Yeah. Now I would I read that also on your website and I was going to ask you a bit about that because um, we'll come to your books. As I promised, in a minute. But <laughs> it's okay. let, it's uh, let's We're stay with your, <laughs> uh, <laughs> with your with your other facets, with your other parts yeah. of, of yourself, and because I I think they show us a very complete and interesting image of you as a personality. So um, apart from writing, apart from editing, apart from practicing yourself, um, this is a kind of practice, of course, as well. But what? What brought you to aromatherapy in particular? And are there other fields in that um, uh, harmonizing medical sides that are part of you?
3: You know, it took a bit of a back burner because of my writing. I sort of hit a crossroads, literally. But um, I I was a homeschooling mother. And when I became divorced, I didn't know what I was going to do with myself. Mm. And... I was, you know, I have to learn how to, you know, how to support myself, how to support my children. Um, sure. and so I I I had come across aromatherapy years ago in in my quest for in my quest to give birth. And mm-hmm. then it had just I, I in my the first oil I encountered was um essential oil of frankincense. And mm-hmm. not in a fertility context, but in another uh, health context it it was it it showed me how miraculous it was and I was so impressed with it that it was just something I was reading for myself but then I hit a point in my life where I felt I needed to I don't know do something and so I took a course and then this would have been late 90s I took a course I became certified and this was a point where I was just I was just doing a lot of work I was writing websites for people. I was I was the worst mm-hmm. grant writer in the world. And for a while, I was teaching the car, a correspondence school. I taught the Aromatherapy 101 um, at what used to be the Austral- Australasian College of Herbal Studies. And I don't remember what, they've changed the name. I don't remember what it is at the moment. Uh, mm. So I was doing that. And then my manuscript was accepted. And then there was a point, I mean, it's very interesting. I wrote two books, that were published by Fair Winds, which are now, um, they've been republished by Wiser Books. So they're the big book Mm -hmm. of practical spells and magic when you need it. And those were my first Mm -hmm. two books. And then I had an offer. The person who I had done my first book with knew I collected spells. And he was talking to me about the book that eventually became 5,000 Spells. But meanwhile, I was speaking to another editor, another publisher, who wanted me to write herbal books. And we were talking right. about that. But somehow the 5,000 Spells person was faster or just mm-hmm. pursued me more aggressively. And and that became – that changed my life because we didn't realize what that book was going to be. We thought that was going mm-hmm. to be a 450-page book. Uh, mm-hmm. And instead, you know, it, it, that book just – took on a life of its own. For people who are not familiar, it's over a thousand pages and it just, it took over my life and (laughs) everything else, all my other professional interests sort of got on the back burner. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I still make oils. I I used to teach oil making classes, magical oils. There's a lot of magical. I think, you know, my books, my favorite parts of my spell books are the formularies because I love I love those oils. I love concocting the recipes. I, I make them for people. If people ask me, uh, you know, I, I do it for myself, but, it, but my, the books that I ended up writing after that just became so all encompassing that, mm-hmm. you know, they, they just, they literally take over my life. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, understandably, understandably yeah. you do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, You might be interested to hear that the original edition of your Five thousand spells um, now sells at over a thousand euro under on the on the, I on the uh, <laughs> U- UK. I know, the I know, UK, it's unbelievable. Site. Oh, <laughs> you know, although, that, 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 although, so although,
3: search eBay, American <laughs> eBay, because every once in a while it goes for a lot less. I, I don't make. You know, you know, those are book scalpers. N- neither sure. I nor the publisher makes an extra penny out of any of them. Uh, so.
0: I, I know, and I know about that. You know, it's just, it, it's just for your pride. You know. But so that's how I that's it.
3: but you know, that's why there's an American edition. That's precisely sure. why there's an American edition.
4: Sure, of course, that book was of published
3: course. by a British branch of mm-hmm. HarperCollins.
4: Yeah. They yeah.
3: stopped distributing in the US, and so for years that book for about six years that book was unavailable in the United States.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And then mm-hmm. an American division of HarperCollins saw 1,000 euros. <laughs> yeah.
4: I yeah.
0: said, oh, yeah. well, we should probably yeah. put a, you
3: know, <laughs> Pro- <laughs> we should put out an edition and, and here we are.
0: <laughs> and, and, and that came out in, the original edition uh, with Harper Collins came out in 2004, I believe, is that right? Uh,
3: 2004, oh. 2005, may, uh, maybe 2004. Do you mm-hmm. know, I wrote that book and it was the first time, I'm very punctual, and it was the first time mm-hmm. in my life I'd ever been late for anything. And I'd broken the contract because no one involved in the planning of the book was thinking mathematically, how many spells can we put on a page? So they said, can you do it in 450 pages? And I said, sure. And then, you know, when I was 100 pages in and I was still in the introduction, I knew, I knew we were in trouble. Um, So it was late. It was long. And I was just through the end, it was just, it was a, A harrowing experience. I was just weeping, weeping. I'm never going to write again. No one's going to, and it's, and it's, it's a lot of folk magic and no one's going to like this and I'm going to have to just get a terrible job someplace else.
0: Yeah, yeah. well, 1120 pages it is, right? (laughs) uh,
3: But then they before the book was even published, they asked me, would you like to write this Encyclopedia of Witchcraft? And I thought, oh, well, I better sign a contract quickly before they realize no one is going to buy the first book. (laughs) So I did. And so I wrote those two books back to back Mm -hmm. and, you know, took care of my children. But that was my life.
0: So together um, it's 12, uh, 2,000 pages. I don't even re- I
3: don't even remember like dates. You know, people would ask me, "Have you got to see this movie?" And I would say, "Is there a witch in it?" And they would say, "No." And I'd say, "Well, no, then I can't see it."
4: <laughs>
3: yeah, I don't. I don't remember. Encyclopedia of Witchcraft was originally three hundred pages longer.
4: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh,
3: it was supposed. They wanted a originally they wanted a book that was the same length as Five Thousand Spells.
4: Okay. And I produced okay. it,
3: but then yeah, at the very last easy. minute, the printing costs, there, there was like a very good deal if they could do it for like 875 pages. And so okay. literally it had already been typeset. The Over the phone, because the production staff was in London, we, mm-hmm. we managed to remove 300 pages without...
4: Wow. wow. It, it, that, that's
3: a, and it was very, I mean, it was literally taking a sentence from here and a sentence from there. Yeah, it wasn't
0: just yeah. a chop. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Amazing. amazing. <laughs> that was an experience. Well, well, yeah, I can, I can imagine. But why, I mean, what strikes me when I see your book list, so to speak, I'll come to three particular books I would like to. To, to talk about also a bit more in depth, but um, in general, when I look at your at your book list, it's encyclopedia, encyclopedia, the whole. You know, it's you seem to have a, a the 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 like for this big overviews for uh, to doing the whole thing encyclopedia of spirits and of witchcraft, pure magic. I think is the one. So a complete course in spellcasting. So it's always um, rather. Um, yeah. Well, it's I'm not responsible yes. for
3: subtitles. The subtitles. No, no, no.
0: Are I, know <laughs> I know that. I know that. But I know that. I mean, I have a. I,
3: I, I have a son in cancer. You know, so I'm a cancer. But I okay. have a. But mm-hmm. that. But that son is in my sixth house, and I. I have a packed sixth house, and the astrologers will know. Yeah. What I'm talking about so the mm-hmm. i I do have those sort of Virgo-esque skills I see detail
0: you, collecting and, yeah. and putting things together yeah. and, and yeah, organizing yeah, 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 yeah. them in categories right.
3: i I do that very naturally and i yeah,
0: yeah.
3: it's that's just something i do so
0: so, so I, that's just you, you would say it's just a yeah. part of you that wants yeah. to do that
3: yeah mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely
0: yeah, fun <laughs> and,
3: and i mean five thousand because five thousand spells was successful,
0: yeah, sure. Sure, I course, I I've had yes. the
3: opportunity to do the others.
0: Yeah, of course, of course. Yes, sure, sure. The I mean, Encyclopedia of Spirits
3: me. was originally significantly larger. That original manuscript was so big we couldn't publish it. So a lot of categories mm-hmm. of spirits were ch- chopped. And some of them okay. ended up in Encyclopedia of Mystic Saints and Sages. I was able to expand that. But I have a half-finished right. Encyclopedia of Angels, mermaids.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Well, I was batonnas. going to point that out. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, the, the Encyclopedia of Mystics, Saints and Sages, um, yeah. that's one of the, the ones that maybe doesn't come to everybody's minds right away. It's a very interesting book for me personally. I think it's, it's, it's just as interesting as the one on witchcraft and on spells because there's a lot of
3: witchcraft it, in there, which I think surprises. Of people. course,
0: of course, but still there is yeah. it's a subject that is much less, it's much less, Known but or treated I, I in, think, in such uh, a way at least.
3: I think for many pagans, the word the word, the word saint literally makes them a recoil. So yeah, that, that's right. a hard
0: yeah, yeah. book. I, I, it gives me a hard time as well. <laughs> <laughs> but then I take it from the hermetic point of view and then the saint but, becomes but, different.
3: But from a separating the religion. Mm. Taking out religion which often seeks to exploit the power of saints for Mm. themselves. Saints, from a metaphysical perspective, are the powerful and generous dead. And in general, saints, even if they were, some of them were rigid, terrible people in life, but somehow in the afterlife, many of them, are demonstrating kindness to people of other faiths, and that is fairly across the board, if you go to shrines of St George in Egypt, most of the people seeking his blessings are not Christians, they're Muslims yeah and yeah, apparently yeah. they True. are True. they are receiving those blessings
0: the same the same is true in damascus at the time sure. when you could still go there yes. uh, um John the I, baptist. I used to go exactly, yeah. i used to exactly i used to go there quite a bit and did you uh, yeah, yeah because because yeah, i have I'm to for professional reasons at some point yeah and i was i had a guided tour through the mosque where st john's wow. baptist um yeah. shrine is there and a lot of Muslims are in there, of course, sure. because it's the, it's a mosque. And, and, and that's not yeah, something
3: that's recent. That is historical. That is,
0: absolutely. If you go to North
3: absolutely. Africa hundreds of years ago, you know, there are Sufi saints, there are Jewish mm. saints, there are Christian yeah. saints. and Right. And, you know, it's very practical. The one that helps you, that's, that's where you're going.
0: There you are. There you are, absolutely. Interesting. Now, I told you that i i was going to 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 talk with you about three books in particular which maybe are but well, two of them are younger books and the third one yeah. is a little less known i think at least uh, i i wasn't so aware of it the two newer ones i would like to 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 mention are the fantastic and the forgotten i think yeah. it's called yeah. and then the, the occult detectives book
4: yeah.
0: um i love those books is, yeah, me too. Uh, especially they are called detectives, and uh, I just that's really something that fascinates me. And um, what well, that's something completely different. So what 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 brought you there? What uh, maybe you give us just a few hints since what the books are about? And 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 yeah. Since,
3: since 2015, I've been an editor at Wiser Books, which right. So I I get to to work on other people's. Amazing books. I, I've worked on some. I know you had, uh, I think, Christopher Oropello and Tara Love mm-hmm. McGuire recently, mm-hmm. and I, right. I was their editor. I get to midwife these amazing books. But uh, yeah. one of the things that I was doing is putting together compilations of esoteric fiction. And there is a ton, a ton of short stories that are mystical in nature or somehow... Incorporate the occult. Mm. And often you'll find them in short story compilations, but the occult aspects tend to be downplayed. But because it was for Wiser Books, I was able to put together these two compilations where they were put together specifically because of that content. And we didn't have to downplay it, we could discuss. the literary not just the literary value but the magical content the spiritual content and i wrote um so, so the short stories are mostly older short stories by a variety of writers some are famous arthur mm. conan doyle uh, mm-hmm. a detective other than sherlock mm-hmm. holmes uh you know um
0: well, was a Stoker actually himself. Yeah, yeah Bram Stoker. Yeah, yeah, there's
3: yeah. there's a Dracula story. Uh, mm-hmm. There's there's all sorts of occult detectives. I was able to to find all these 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 women occult detectives and women writers, and that was that I, I was very happy to be able to do. And you know, some of them are are obscure. I wrote the uh, forewords for both books, and I get to introduce and sort of analyze the stories a little bit, so that readers, mm-hmm. when they're reading them, uh, understand maybe. Themes or currents, or or know what to look for.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I
3: I love them. I people, you know. Oh,
0: absolutely, definitely. Not, Why not, do not you think? A, I'm sorry. Now go ahead. Go ahead.
3: I was going to say not to make a sales pitch, but but I wish people would go and buy tons of these books so that I could write another one.
0: <laughs> well, okay, you heard it out there. Uh, you know yeah. what you have to do. Yeah. <laughs> I'll put them also on the on the show notes, so you have to have a look on that. No, really, but really, I mean, yeah, worth it. It's not just because uh, to 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 make you work more. It's just, it's really there. Well, really you know, nice short stories in, are not you know? a
3: are not a it's not a genre that is a big selling genre. Mm. Right?
4: No, true in, true in
3: itself, and you know, publishers, you know. They need to recoup their costs, so Absolutely. if a lot of those yeah. books would sell, they would they would let me do more.
0: Uh, yeah, but why do you think that the occult aspect is downplayed in with other editors? What? Oh, wh- it embarrasses I
3: mean- people. I mean, do you know if I if I'm in a mood and I go into a room and you know people are asking people you know what do you do what do you do like you know and people you know oh i'm a stockbroker oh i'm a lawyer you know i could say i work for a publisher and then they'll just move on but if i'm in a mood i just say to them i'm a fortune teller and the room will go dead you know i can predict this there is utter silence and they look at me because they're not sure am i choking Mm-hmm. Or you know, should they back away slowly? <laughs> or you know, what
0: am I? <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah,
4: yeah.
3: People are embarrassed by it. You know, they're embarrassed by Arthur Conan Doyle's spiritualism. Yeah. He was a, he was a fervent spiritualist, oh, yeah,
0: definitely, s- yeah, yeah.
3: A, and very interested in the occult and, it, you know, it, it embarrasses people. They mm. they want to talk about literary content or political aspects or social aspects they don't actually want to talk about you know and and many of these people William Butler Yeats a cultist um Mm -hmm. you know Victoria Woodhull the first woman to run for president of the United States spiritualist Mm -hmm. medium people are very conventional society is very uncomfortable with all of this
0: Uh, but but on the other hand they go for Harry Potter like why yes
3: yes yes why although I've I, I think there's a tremendous hunger. I think I, I'm I think sure, people yeah. are wired towards the spiritual and the mystical. Maybe not and, everyone. Uh, you know, there's no verb rule. So you know, if you're if you're saying no, not me. Well, you know, maybe no, not you. But uh, as a species, I think we yearned t- to communicate and to learn about all of existence not just convention not just what has been branded as conventional we we want to speak with our ancestors we want to ex- communicate with ghosts we want to know what's out there uh, you know to communicate with animals and birds and all sorts of and you know the divinatory arts if you go back to the beginning of human existence that is what you're going to that, that's what we still have that's what we're still having. It's, have in it's
0: archetypal stories, mm-hmm. basically. Right.
3: It's eternal, but it's
0: absolutely. But it's it's interesting that. I would say mm-hmm. with the last, well, now it's almost 30 years, I would think. So probably your e- entire career as writer and editor, the, the, those fantasy bookshelves yes. in the bookstores yes. have grown each year enormously. They didn't exist when I started to go visit libraries. Right. We are we are born in the same year, so right. we, we have about made the same decision. I same remember path. when I
3: read, I read those books to my children when Harry Potter first mm. came out.
0: I oh, yeah, 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 I, yeah. What
3: I find very interesting, and it's, it frustrates me. Most bookstores, and I'm not talking about the little independent store, but large bookstores, they keep mm-hmm. the metaphysical, the real metaphysical and occult very separate from those yeah. fantasy books. Like, you, you know, yeah. if he, they won't put my books on the same display table as Harry Potter.
4: Yeah,
0: yeah.
3: And it's very interesting because people who – I know that I have a big constituency, and I, I know because they tell me, among people who play Dungeons and Dragons, uh, apparently <laughs> 5,000 Spells is useful.
4: Okay, but good.
3: I imagine that people who read Harry Potter or similar books would also find my books interesting.
0: But oh, certainly they're, certainly. they're kept at
3: different ends of the store
0: yeah and I must say the the Harry Potter series are in many aspects rather so to speak accurate on on the real thing right
3: sometimes i mean a lot of it draws from folk magic or there are yeah. aspects of it um
0: or also but also alchemy and and yeah, other aspects yeah sure. yeah yeah definitely the Matrix. so Yes, yes, for example, for example, or just if it starts, pronounce the name of your enemy and he will be able to defeat it. Yes, you know? <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's, exactly. That's where it all starts. Yeah, yes. right, right. Which brings me exactly, well, that was a perfect, a perfect link, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> which brings me to that other book I wanted to talk to you about, um, which... To be honest, I don't even know from what year it is. The Wiser Field Guide to the Paranormal.
3: The Wiser um, Field Guide to the Paranormal, right? People yeah, tell yeah. me, "Oh, I have all your books," and then I say, "Do you have that one?" and they they don't even know what I'm yeah, talking about. You
0: see that you? I'm one of those. I discovered it when I when I searched your website for 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 this interview today, um, and um, so that's a new aspect of UDKLIS for me. It's something I think that. Um, should be better known. And tell us about it. What what did you bring to that? And how do you relate to the paranormal also in regards to your occult background? That's, I, I find that very interesting.
3: That book, one of the reasons it's not well known is that it's written under an alias. And I'll, I'll explain why. But also because there are these divides between the world and i think those i think it's being bridged there's the the television show now i in the u.s hellier i think it's streaming Mm -hmm. um and Mm -hmm. that sort of i'm watching that i'm watching it bridge the worlds of witchcraft and the esoteric and the paranormal which is Mm -hmm. very new i think rosemary ellen guiley who i who i knew um I think she tried to do that also and I. I there's a lot of resistance and, and me too. What I bring to it is my background in the occult mm-hmm. and in, you know, sort of comfort with, with spirituality and mm-hmm. um, how the, and the reason that book is done under the um, under an Excuse alienist you, yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. alias um, when When I wrote Encyclopedia of Spirits, I, I, I think, it, well, initially, you know, that's the, that was published by Harper One. And initially, they weren't sure they wanted another encyclopedia. I had been mm-hmm. left with a lot of outtakes from that book, um, but they weren't sure.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And so Wiser Books asked if I would write the They had a series called The Wiser Field Book. Guide series. Yes, Raymond you Buckland, did
0: another one, I think. Yeah, 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 Raymond, yeah, yeah, Raymond
3: Buckland wrote the first book in that series, which is The the Field uh, Guide oh, really? to Ghosts, mm-hmm. which is a great mm-hmm. book. And they asked me, would I write The Field Guide to Witches? <laughs> yeah. And I said, sure, because it's a little mini encyclopedia. That I had a lot of fun writing that because mm-hmm. it's a small book. And having written three large encyclopedias, it was Soul like pacification, and then
0: they. I asked. like the subtitle to that one: Hexes to Hermione Granger from Salem to the <laughs> yeah. Land of Oz. So like, I, I look, love, I love <laughs> the cover on
3: that book. If people will look at it, there's like a, a witch going yeah. through a, t- a 35 cent tall. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly.
3: I love that. It was, it, the book was. Yeah. I mean, I have nothing to do with that. that that's you know, mm-hmm. I feel very blessed. Yeah. They, they did a great yeah. job with it. It's 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 put together very beautifully. And then um, they needed another book in the series. I could write a small book pretty quickly, having written all these big books. And uh, another author had failed to deliver a manuscript. And they said, could you write this book on the paranormal? General conventional wisdom. And then I said, I just wrote it. General conventional publishing wisdom is you shouldn't have two books out by the same author too close together. And because mm-hmm. it came out just several months after the Field Guide to Witches, they yeah. asked me if I would mind doing it under an alien alias, and I said, mm-hmm. "Sure." You know, mm-hmm. Ruth Rendell, who is one of my favorite authors, has aliases, so you know, <laughs> yeah, sure. why shouldn't I? So it's it's published yeah. under the name Judith Joyce,
4: mm-hmm.
3: uh, and it's a lot of the par- a lot of literature about the paranormal is very fragmented. You either write about extraterrestrials. Or you write about hauntings or you write about something else. It's very fragmented, but I just put it together as a little bitty encyclopedia also. So you have the Fox sisters, you know, who are essentially the unintentional founders of modern spiritualism, but also Barney and Betty Hill, whose story fascinates me so much, who were the first public abductees Mm -hmm. You know, uh, extraterrestrial abductees, and Mm -hmm. they have such an interesting story. And then all sorts of other things. And it's the irony is, it's my least known book, but I think it's actually my best writing in terms of the quality of the writing.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, you'll be happy to hear that I bought it today on Amazon as an e-book. So I'll (laughs) tell you you more about it it tomorrow. (laughs) Oh,
4: excellent.
3: (laughs) I hope you like it. Let me
0: know. I I will let you know. I will let you know. But but I think it's really interesting because um, I mean, even even this podcast, it's it's talks about mystic magic the occult and yeah. the paranormal but yeah. so far to be honest it's all i'm almost up to 50 episodes now i haven't really done a show on the paranormal yet because i'm still looking for the right subject and person to talk with well, so maybe we will do um, one day
3: well you know exactly what? I thought, exactly i thought what i brought to it was that when there is a discussion of the fox sisters and their maggie and kate fox the, the so-called rochester rappers mm-hmm. I, I think people have a hard time acknowledging the possibility that maybe they did have these experiences,
0: yeah to, uh, and there we are again with what society thinks because it's very hard to admit that you made such an experience if you're unsure yourself right. and on the other hand, you're as you say, people start backing off you when you yes. say something about yes. it
3: yeah. i uh, I mean among the other things that I do and probably the thing that I've done the longest is I'm a card reader
4: Yeah, and
3: mm-hmm. I'm a tarot card reader and I've been doing this professionally since 1988. Mm-hmm. And there was a point when I lived in Los Angeles where I, I had people who would purchase gift certificates from me to give as Christmas gifts and they would go in Christmas baskets. But, you know, let's just say you get a basket full of stuff, including a gift certificate, you know, a gift certificate to a masseuse, a gift certificate mm. to a card reader. Maybe you don't want that gift certificate and you might pass it on to somebody else. So by the mm. time somebody actually came to me, it, it might have gone through six people. <laughs> what I found very, for and for a long time, people would come and they'd come to my house at that time and I would read for them and good readings, and they were very nice. And often it was, they had almost, le- they were like ready to leave. And they would tell me the real reason they were there. They were there because they had had some kind of an experience, some sort of a psychic experience. And these were, you know, so called, these were muggles. These were not mm-hmm. professional magical people or people who had been doing magical things since childhood, they'd had some kind of an experience and they wanted to know, and they'd never, sometimes they'd never told anybody else and they needed to tell somebody. Or sometimes they wanted to know if I thought they were crazy.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Because if I mm-hmm. thought they were crazy, the fortune mm-hmm. teller, then clearly they were. But, you, you know, they were afraid to ask, you know, you can't, you can't ask your therapist because possibly your therapist will tell you you're crazy. Yeah, it's, it's exactly.
4: <laughs> so, I mean, they, they would exactly. sit back
3: down again and we'd have these conversations and people keep these things secret. But in my experience, and I'm lucky because people tell me their experiences, so many people are having All sorts of really interesting experiences that should conventional society says should not happen. And yet, they are. And they're not harmed by them. Often they're helped by them.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. True. You know,
3: these are a lot of cases of sort of, you know, angelic rescues. You know, my car broke down and you know, some somebody appeared out of nowhere and disappeared out of nowhere.
4: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, And mm
3: -hmm. and now they're not sure that. It happened to them, but they're having a hard time believing that it really happened you know. Happened but it did. Him,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah, uh, True. True, yeah. true. I was just smiling because you very in a very normal tone you said they were muggles. I just yeah. thought, hmm, thanks to Harry Potter, now everyone who listens knows what that is. But that's, <laughs> that's such a great word.
3: I mean that it's such a I wonderful definitely, word. Definitely, it really definitely. defines
0: Yes. Definitely. That's big literature, right? That's why you can use that word from the book. Everybody knows by the time now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Well, uh, Judica... Uh, I'm really sorry to say that we have already come to the end of this hour oh, no. and we need to <laughs> f- need to find out. Uh, it sounds like we have to do another one at some point. We'll do but, another um, one. Yeah. I, I I won't let you go before I have asked you what your next plans are book wise and maybe in other terms um, that you want to speak about. Um, I, I uh, you mentioned something about the book that you're preparing at the moment. Um, uh, uh, the book is uh, the manuscript
3: that. is done. Um, mm mm-hmm the manuscript can you done, say
0: more a bit about that already yeah, or you, I, yeah? I,
3: I don't know the title and I haven't seen the cover yet because I think that's the publisher's still working on that but the pre-orders are up on pretty much all the <laughs> online sites it is it should be out in I believe September or October so fall of this year fall 2020 mm-hmm. and it is a perpetual calendar of spells right. and rituals and feasts and there are some of my recipes in there and it, it, I think that it, it complements, it stands on its own, but complements all the other encyclopedias I've written. It's not mm-hmm. an encyclopedia. It's, it's written in a calendar, a perpetual calendar format. So January 1st till December 31st. And, right. and I hope people like it.
0: Right, great. Sounds great. I see it already announced without cover on the Amazon page. Yes, yes, and it's a book depository for people outside the U.S. Yeah, early fall. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's
3: it's done again. It's too long, so I don't know how much they're going to cut or not. (laughs) but that's yes. they're used to so me. So we
0: we only got a couple of months to buy so many books of those short stories etc <laughs> in order to convince them to make a third book uh, next Oh, week. I have
3: oh, <laughs> I have stories lined up though. I the, those sure, books I I have so much fun with us. So mm-hmm. who knows? Maybe when I'm yeah. you know old and maybe retired I'll, I'll publish some of those myself who knows
0: <laughs> <laughs> sounds, like, such a thing. sounds like a good yeah. idea yeah 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 well um thank you I'll, I'll ask you for some final words um this show as as i told you is called the entire magical world so so um wh- what is for you just as a final word what's for you to if you can say that the most important part of that magical world, or the most important feature it gives you, well, what, what's what's your favorite part of it?
3: Oh, the magic! The magic to live <laughs> a magical life, to live an ecstatic yeah. life. I, I, yeah. I, You know, people people sometimes say things like, "Well, I don't believe in magic," and I just think, "Oh my God, that's so!" I feel so bad for you. Hmm. You know,
4: mm-hmm.
3: to live yeah. this magical life where you know we haven't even talked about animism where everything is just full of magic and potential joy you know that's the aspect of witchcraft people don't talk about joy yeah Um, yes and that's you know the ecstasy and the joy and the happiness Mm. that it brings you
0: yeah that is a good final word isn't it (laughs) <laughs> thank you judica thank, thank you, you for being with us here in the thought Service podcast and as i said i hope we can repeat that one day thank you
1: I always like to throw this song in, particularly when we're touring overseas, because it is one of the earliest Canadian songs, or at least um, written by Westerners on Canadian soil. It was written in 1643 by a young Jesuit missionary, Father Jean de Brébeuf, who had come across to uh, the New Lands from France. He arrived in a Huron-Native community, not speaking the Huron language, Wendat. He didn't really probably have a good understanding of what their beliefs were, and he had no way to explain His own faith. And so one of the first things he did was he learned enough Wendat to start writing poetry and he started making them songs. This is one of his, it's known as the Huron Carol. I start in Huron as it was written. And then there's a translation into French, which would have been Father Jean's native tongue, and then a translation into English.
2: Jesus, ah,
4: don't
2: And on on your Jesus, Adonia. Jesus, Adonia. Jesus, Adonia. Jesus, Adonia. Jesus Adonia. Don't run you now wait Jordan you The devil's rule is done Let no man heed the devil more For Jesus Christ has come But hear ye all what angels sing How merry made for Jesus came He is a Jesus is born He is a Fair a sign, the chieftain said, shall lead us where it may. For Jesus told the chieftains three, That star will bring you here to me. He is a sign.
0: Puren Carroll was the third and last song performed today, performed and written by Canadian singer-songwriter Heather Dale. All three songs were taken from her free album Perpetual Gift and you should absolutely go onto her website and support that artist by buying more music from her. You will find details on the show notes for this episode. Dear friends and listeners, I do hope you enjoyed today's episode. I found all those things Yudika had to say very interesting and inspiring, and I hope you did too. Thanks for listening. And thank you, Yudika, for being part of this show. Next week, the Soth Hermes podcast will return with its episode 4 of this season. And this time, it will be another Ex Libris edition. You know, those type of shows we did separately out of the season before and which will now be, from time to time, integrated into the season. In this upcoming episode, we will again present four books, talk to one of the authors in a 20-minute interview in person. My friend Greg Kaminsky, host of the Great Occult of Personality podcast, will present his choice, which logically is called Greg's choice, and also Ursula, who did such a great job on presenting the Culture Berlin conference in that special episode a little less than a month ago, also she will return and present a book. So, many things to look forward to. In the meantime, I wish you all a wonderful time, a lot of magic and experiences in your life do come back to me with your feedback and do become a patron of this podcast. For now, I can only say, take care, stay tuned, hear you soon.